You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get? If I run ads for you, what are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item so you get one free item for penis havers one free item for vulva havers one free item for couples and then you also get six free movies from the adameve.com website you can get your favorite porn or an educational film i love free movies they're so awesome this is such a great deal and then on top of that You also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. And you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off. And then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, 
Content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on all things disability, sexuality, and everything in between. I am your disabled Dick Smith, your number one queer cripple, your... Disabled Dandy, you're... I'm all the things. My name is Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get the show started. Friends, we are two episodes away until we reach the official 200th episode of this show. Now, there have been more episodes of the show through the Handicast and with like other things I've done and other one-off show things I've wanted to do that have pushed us over 200 technically, but the official 200th episode is two episodes away. And I honestly, upon recording this intro, I don't know what the, the 200th episode is going to be, but it'll be, I'm going to make it epic. Um, I just want to say, wow, we're almost there. Holy goodness. Wow. That's, that's the show. I didn't think we'd go past, you know, past even 50 episodes and now we're almost 200 in that's just amazing and i want to thank you so much for the support if you want to support the show at all you can do so by leaving a review you can send me an email at disabilityafterdark@gmail.com. tell me why the podcast is important to you i have gotten a bunch of emails from people saying they've used the podcast in their academic papers which i just think is really cool and Thank you, thank you so much for for loving the show and listening and for using the show for your stuff and for telling people about the show and for wanting to be a guest and just thank you. And I hope we can go on for 200 more. I'm going to do my best to make that happen. But uh, let's get on to the show today. Also, if you want to support the show before I get on to today's show, if you want to support us, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledging $1 a month up to $5 a month or whatever you're able to do to keep the bright light shining on the show. But now, let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get the show started. The topic for this episode today, I I got to sit down with a new friend of mine, the my friend Jack Dixon, who is a porn star, a gay porn star out of San Francisco who I've been following on social media and thirsting after, to be quite honest, for a, a little while now. And I just thought I would reach out to him and just say like, hey, I love your stuff. I'd love to have you on the show to talk about your experience with disabled clients as an escort and as a porn star. And I'd love to talk with you. And he actually said, yeah, I'd love to sit down with you too. That'd be cool. So we sat down and I was going to do just a really simple what would happen to you if you became disabled tomorrow episode and that we actually ended up talking a little bit about mental health we ended up talking a little bit about depression that jack lives with a little bit we ended up talking about his experience with clients and disabled clients and what that was like for him some good and bad experiences we flirt a little bit with the idea of what would happen if he were to do a scene with me as a disabled person and what that would be like what he thinks that would be like and then I ask him, you know, the question, what would happen to you if you became a wheelchair user tomorrow? How would your life change, do you think? And we have a really fun chat. And what I love about this chat is he, his 
Instagram persona is very masculine, very bearish, very daddy, bearded, and, like, really, really, like, super masculine. But when you talk to him, he's really thoughtful and sweet, and he shared with me his views on disability, and he shared with me his views on working with disabled clients, and I really liked sitting down with him. It was a really fun hour and 20 chat that I'm excited to share with you, and he is someone you should definitely follow if you want to hire a great escort who has experience with disabled clients or you want to talk about disability in porn and looking at a good scene partner, he's somebody who I really was really excited to sit down with. Um, we make a joke at one point during the episode that we're going to have cookies, cuddles, and, and cripple together or cripple, cuddles, and cookies together. And that's what I've titled the episode. Um, I make a I make a joke about how I'm going to send him a dick pic, which don't worry, I cleared with him before we recorded, and he said that was cool, and so it was a great, great interview. I was really happy to sit down with him, and I'm excited to share this with you. So, without further ado, here's my interview with porn star and escort Jack Dixon, right now on episode 198 of Disability After Dark. Jack Dixon, hello. Hi, how are you, Andrew? Good. I'm so, so happy to have you on Disability After Dark. I always love sitting down with hot porn stars for an hour to talk about uh, sex and disability. And I, I've been following you on the socials for a while now. Um, and I, I, just, I just figured I would uh, see if you wanted to do an episode. And I was really happy when you agreed to. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. I love uh, I love. You know, there's only, I feel like there's only so much you can convey through social media platforms and there needs to be like other methods, outlets to uh, get more of my personality across, um, in a sense. Um, yeah, and I mean, because your porn persona is very much like, you have a very certain aesthetic in your, in the Very porn masculine, world. very daddy, very bare. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, all that. But like, you know, and while Jack Dixon is part of me, it is not all of me. And so I think some people can tend to overlook that. They think that I am like some oil changing, tree cutting, um, hyper masculine guy. And it's like, I, I, I like to bake, you know, I was a chef for a long time. <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> what are you making me then? What? what? I, you know, honestly, I, because of the state of the world today, I am kind of, and because we've been quarantining here in San Francisco since March, like I baked the shit out of stuff for like the last two months and I am kind of burnt out. Although I had this crazy dream last night of where I was back in, I was back working for Hilton again as a, uh, as a, in commercial food, as a pastry chef. And I had been called into this restaurant to do this like pop-up dinner with this other chef. And I showed up late for whatever reason. I'm a late person. It kind of it's one of my pet peeves. It really gets on my nerves. But I I showed up late to to make the food for this dinner, and the chef was there. And I showed up in shorts and in flip flops or some shit like that. And I was like, "Hey, is this okay? You know, like to wear this?" And she's just like, "I don't know." And I'm like, "I'm gonna go home and get changed into my chef gear," and then like. It was it was very weird and and um and kind of stressful, but you know, 
side tangents or tangents aside. This whole show is, really a, been... is a side tangent, so feel free to go <laughs> off on as many as you like. <laughs> so I, I have not been baking, um, although I was talking to you earlier. I went back to Atlanta last week, and I'm in between trips right now. I'm going to Texas next week. And my friends back in Atlanta, like before I was an escort and, and porn, they, know, they knew me as a baker and I had a bakery in Atlanta for about five years. And so I brought, I made cookie dough, I froze it, I vacuum sealed it, I put it in my suitcase and I stay in Airbnbs typically um, when I travel so I can cook my own food and save a little bit of money. And so I baked my friends cookies while I was there so I could, uh, because they're always asking me to send them stuff and, and make them stuff. So cool. So I'm going to send you my address afterward. Okay. Talking. All right. All right. I'll get to it. Eventually. And I'll pay you, I'll pay you some dollars for some, uh, Jack Dixon delights. No, it's, it's completely fine. No, no money compensation is required. You know, for me, it's, it's about the creation and the giving of the food and other people enjoying it than it is actually, you know, me trying to turn some profit on it. So, all right, we will. I love cookies, and so we we will have a talk about that after. But okay. I wanted to jump into the disability part of why you're here. And okay. This is disability after dark, and it's a podcast about sex, disability, and all the stuff in between there. So, my first question to you is: Are you somebody who experiences disability in their life? You know, I. I, I, we, we spoke briefly leading up to this podcast. I told you I have a uncle who has cerebral palsy. Um, I am not super close with him. I have not seen him probably since my teenage years. Um, he, he is, he is in a assisted living facility in Florida and has caretakers. And my, my grandparents set that up for him a long time ago. And so, um, he kind of stays down there and, um, and I don't, I don't have a lot of interaction with him. Um, I don't actually have a lot of interaction with extended family members on either side of my family. Um, you know, I, I personally am not, I wouldn't consider myself disabled. Um, I I'm red, green, colorblind, but that's about as close as I've gotten to any kind of disability. And that's kind of, you know, I can fudge my way through that in everyday life. Um, I have, you know, I'm trying to think if I have any friends in any cities who, who identify as disabled other than not definitely not, um, physical disabilities, maybe some mental disabilities and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to remember that like, we, when we often talk about disability, we only only tend to focus on the physical and we only tend to focus on if there's a marker of disability. So if they have a wheelchair, a walker, a cane, then we can mark them as being disabled. And I think, right. you know, it's always, and I say this a bunch on the show, it's always really important to to consistently be like, oh, if somebody says they have disabilities, even if you can't see them, or if they have, you know, mental health stuff, it's important to, to give them that yes. label, not as a way of like, labeling them in a bad way but a way of saying like you're part of this community too right and and having said that then yes my father is manic depressive Uh, my mother tended toward depression and I in my life have you know I I 
I, I publicly share that I am in 12-step for addiction, and I skew a little bit more to the depressive side. I haven't been on antidepressants in almost three years now, but there have been times in my life where I have been on antidepressants, and, and I feel like mis- mental disability, because it isn't, there's no real, there's sometimes usually no um, visual cues for it. It is kind of overlooked in a sense. Yeah, and I- and it's it's really unfortunate that we overlook that because so many people with invisible disabilities like 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 what you're talking about and like depression and all those things they then they would say like oh I don't categorize that as a disability but it's like if you do then you can also get support you can get funding you can get help. Yes, I was talking to a friend today, and he has a friend who who gets assistance. Um, I would assume from the state or the government for living expenses and stuff because he is categorized as a highly depressed individual. So, um, so yes, it's a real thing. Yeah. That kind of funding, like that kind of funding is, is really valuable. And I think it's a shame that when people get categorized as disabled, then all these restrictions come on to how they can use the funding. And I think, I just think the more we talk about disability and the more we put it in the public eye, whether you're physically disabled or invisibly disabled or both, because sometimes they can can coexist together. In my case, I have depression and a physical disability. So all those things work together. And I think the more and more we talk about them in both ways, the more all these restrictions on funding and stuff will hopefully loosen a little bit, maybe. Right, right, right. Um. That was question one. Do you? <laughs> so you're not somebody who, who identifies as having, say, a physical disability, but you may, at some point, have had depressive episodes. Yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and while while some of that may be, uh, like I said, I identify as a as an addict and an alcoholic, and some of that depression may be linked to my drug and alcohol history. I have used antidepressants in sobriety. Um, and you know, I, I don't want to, I personally don't want to use antidepressants indefinitely. Um, because I feel like there's other methods and ways that I can, I can use for me personally, to pull myself out of, out of depression. Um, but I realize, you know, everybody has their own brain chemistry and, you know, some people do run a lot more depressed or, or, um, or hyper just depending on how their, their brain and their, their chemical physiology functions. And also I can imagine being in the, your line of work as an escort and as a porn star, being on antidepressants can also probably make, you know, your job a little bit harder. It can. Well, maybe a little bit softer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you, it it is a, a, it it is a consideration. You, um, you know, in this, in this industry, you know, um, I have a lot of sex and I have a lot of sex on a daily basis. And, and, and not only, you know, and and the flip side of that is if I'm depressed, I don't want to have sex but also certain antidepressants will affect your sex drive. And so it's something that I am, I am aware of and, and is kind of always in the back of my mind. I've gone through small bouts of depression in the last three years since I've been doing this. And, 
it makes it very hard to to see clients or to perform in a film um, with somebody when you're when your mind and your heart is just not really in it. Not in time. it. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. I know some people who work in the industry who are on antidepressants and who, you know, deal with that as part of their, their day-to-day. And we've talked about how difficult it can be for them to put on the persona of whoever they are to do the job with the client because the client is looking for a fantasy. They're looking for that person that they see on the app. And I can imagine if you're having you know, a low day, you don't necessarily want to be that character. Yes. Yes, for sure. People, people want, you know, I feel like when people hire me, they're wanting me to take the lead sexually and they're wanting me to guide the session in a sense, because I, 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 I tend towards being top and, and more dominant in a sense. Um, And so if I'm, if I'm feeling particularly depressed and just not, very sexual as a person like the thought of like having to play that role with somebody is just it can be it can be mentally exhausting before even getting to the actual session itself yeah i can imagine i like i I can i like even even when i hire my workers that i work with like they're great and i i respect them but there are some days where i've said you know what i don't want to do this today like i want to hang out with you and i may want to go for a walk or to have a chat or something but i don't necessarily want to flip that switch that means that we have to play these roles now can we just kind of be ourselves for a minute and not do yeah. all of this and it can be really overwhelming on both sides i think yeah and i you know i've, I've met with clients you know i've met with clients who you know have been like you know what i just want to spend some time with you like we don't have to have sex for this session like i just want you know, I just want to cuddle or just do whatever or just sit here in bed. And it's it's more about that kind of connection than it is about playing that actual role. So, yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, being a, you know, you, you bring up cuddling, being a disabled person and having a lack of, you know, and we're in, we're in the fucking Corona times. So it's been, <laughs> it's been four months where I have been able to access my, you know, my primary worker, the person that I see all the time. Um, and so it's been really tough because he's offered video chats and we've done like sexy Skypes and like, that's nice, but it's like, I can't, I'm not not getting what I really want, which is something to touch me right now. Even if we're, we're not having hot sex, I just want somebody to like, just be there and it can be really, really hard. So I can, Yeah. 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 I, and I get it too. You know, I, and even, you know, and I, and I even personally, like when I see a lot of clients, it can still be very transactional in a sense. And I'm fulfilling a need for them and giving to them what they're wanting, but I'm not necessarily always getting what I want. And, you know, and, and, and in the section, and in a, in a session with a client, it's not so much about what I want or what I need in that session. It's more about what they want and they need. And if, and if what we're both wanting coincides, it's great. And the chemistry is good but it's not always about me, you know, they're hiring me for something. And so after seeing a bunch of people and, and like going on a work trip where I, you know, I'll see like two to three clients a day, day after day, you know, it can be exhausting. And I just, I want someone to, to just hold me basically. So when are you, when are you flying to Toronto? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'll, you know, I want to get back. I was there, was it last year? This has been such a long year, man. It's kind of thrown me off. It feels like three I, years. Thanks, Corona. It does feel like three years. And I, I want to say I was there last year for an event at the Black Eagle. And I really like Toronto. It was, um, it was very, a very nice city. Very nice city. And I would love to get back. But I, I have not. Well, it's kind of hard to get over to Canada now anyways because of everything going yeah, on. Yeah, well, the, and the border's closed. And, it's, yeah. and like of any country, I feel like America's kind of made a bit of a mess of Corona. So I can't imagine many countries want Americans in their country right now. I mean, we're not super keen on that right now. No, we're not. We really are. Um, yeah, yeah. But my point was, next time you're in Toronto, if you want that cuddle, let me know. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. We can eat cookies and just hold each other. Yeah. I'm down for that. <laughs> cookies and cuddles. I'm, I'm, I'm cookies, cripples, and cuddles. There you go. <laughs> I support that 100%. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your experience with disabled clients. And so have you, as an escort, have you been with disabled clients before? I have. Um, And so do you have another question to follow up? No, no. That was like... Okay. Um, I have, you know, and, and for me, it's, you know, it's not a... I escorting and massage is probably my two favorite things that I do. And I would say porn is my third favorite. Um, I feel like escorting and massage can be a little bit more organic than porn can be. Porn is very scripted and very guided. And you have people basically watching you and standing over you and wanting you to perform in a certain way. Um, and they, again, like, they, well, they want you to be that character. They want you to be. Yeah, they want you to be that character and you got to be vocal and you got to be, you know, animated and, and you're having sex in uncomfortable positions. And, you know, and it's not always it's not always fun. I mean, the, the end product usually looks really good. Actually, the actual making of it is not uh, not so much always. Um, and so um, escorting a massage for me is 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 more exciting for me. It's more organic and it feels more connected in a sense. And so, yes, I've had disabled clients um, and I have disabled clients. And, and for me, you know, it's not so much about what they have going on or who they are physically or whatever. It's about the connection and about the responsiveness. I was talking to one of my clients, you know, one of my clients asked me the other day, we were laying in bed and He's like, so how do you like handle if you're just like not into somebody or something like that? And I, and I basically, it's, for me, it's about the connection. And so if, if I'm doing things to somebody and they're giving me physical and verbal and, and, and different cues that they're into it and that they're enjoying it, that turns me on and that makes the session so much better for me. It's, it's hardest for me to perform with somebody who I'm not getting any feedback from in a sense. And so it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter any of that. Like if, if I can't read their body language, then I start to think I'm like, do they really like this? You know, are they into this? And then I get kind of stuck in my head and then it's hard for me to, to perform with somebody. So yeah, I, I have some, I have some disabled clients and you know, it's, it's good. You know, they're very appreciative and, you know, they're, they're fun people to be around. Do you have any, um, do you have any stories you can share with them? 
about or about, about them? Yeah. Um, so I have a guy in Chicago or had a guy in Chicago and, and I don't know necessarily what his disability is, but he is, you know, he is for all intents and purposes, he, he has a caretaker. He, he who has, and he has like a, le- a a lift to get him in and out of bed and to his, his wheelchair um, and so he's pretty physically disabled, but he can still get, um, he still gets a fucking hard ass boner. <laughs> and so it, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it, it's just, it's kind of hot being with him because he just gets so aroused um, just being with him. And he's kind of got this huge ass dick too. And I don't know, it's just, it's kind of a turn on for me um about how excited he is about the session you know and and so um so he's a good one that i had i had a bad experience with a guy who lives in oakland um who i don't i don't know what his disability was and he didn't you know most people will tell me i don't ask for anybody's picture before meeting them or really any of their stats but you know if somebody has something physical mental or whatever going on out of the ordinary usually they'll just they'll tell me they'll be like hey you know this is this is me this is who i am i just want to make sure that that's okay with you and and i'm fine with it but this guy didn't give me any disclaimers about anything and so i got to his place and you know he i I believe he had some mental and slight physical disabilities and and we had a good session, but in the end, he ended up stiffing me for the money. And so that was not a good experience. See, that's whether you're disabled or not, that's like, a, that's, that's a, that's a shitty thing to do. Like, I, yes. I think that like, I make very clear with all the workers that I work with, like, I don't ask for discounts. I don't like, I know, like I'm also a freelancer. So I know what the job is and I know like how hard it is to make a buck being a freelancer. And essentially you're a freelancer and you work for yourself. Yeah. So like I, you know, there was a point in time where I wasn't making as much money as I am right now. And I don't, ha- I didn't have all the privileges to hire somebody. So I would, you know, lightly negotiate like, Hey, how, what about this? Like, is that possible? And if they said no, then I would say, great, thanks. But like, stiffing somebody, whether you're disabled or not, that's just crappy. No, it's not cool. It's not cool. And then, you know, on a side note, like one of the, um, one of the hottest guys I ever hooked up with I was in my early 20s and this was in Milwaukee. I went to college at UW-Madison. And, um, and I didn't know, this guy didn't tell me anything either, but he, he was an amputee and he was missing a leg, but fuck man, we had fucking hot fucking sex. Like we fucked in his living room, we fucked in his shower, like it was fucking hot, 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 hot. So, you know, to me, again, it's not about your physical appearance or what you have going on or don't have going on. It's about the connection for me. Like it's that, about the, the connection with the person. That's awesome. To go back to your first client, the one you see in Chicago, I feel like he and I have a kinship because I too have a lift to get in and out of bed. And I too okay. use a, I'm assuming I'm getting, get the sense from your description. He uses a power chair. Um, yeah. So I too and you have a, a huge dick too. Yeah. Right? And I also I also have a huge dick because I feel like we <laughs> I feel like he and I would, would get along with each other. And I, I don't I, I don't know if I've sent you my dick shot yet, but I can do that later. Um, 
but no, I'm I'm glad the experiences have have been. Oh, I don't like the guy. I don't like that the guy stiffed you, but I'm glad that the experiences have varied for you. Yeah, I mean, on a side note, it was just you know happenstance. Like I said, we had good sex and everything, but he in the end he stiffed me on the money, and I thought that was kind of shitty. Um, but you know, whatever. Is there anything from those experiences, like particularly with the guy with the big dick and the power chair, who you see? You see him regularly, right? I've seen him a few times. Yeah, yeah. Whenever yeah. I'm in Chicago, I'm not in Chicago that often. Is there anything from that experience? Or any of those experiences that you learned about disability that you kind of took with you? You know, it, I think it just goes back to what I was saying before. It's, it's from what I've learned from, you know, being in this, you know, being, being a sex worker and, and not really, you know, I'm not choosing who I want to have sex with. And I know some guys do. Like, I, I know some guys, they're like, they want a picture of their client and all this other shit. And like, I just, I don't believe in that, you know, but I, I, you know, I'm hired by a wide range of guys. Um, and the thing that I've learned, you know, is that it's not so much, it's not so much about the physical attraction. I've had clients who were fucking hot and I'm like, I don't know why you're hiring me for sex because you're hot, but the sex with them was shit. You know, and I've had guys that I would have never given two looks at on the street and we've had fucking amazing sex. And so for me, it's it's been more about a learning or a process of learning. Like it's not so much what's on the end outside of somebody. You know, it's more of the, the, the sexual connection that I have with somebody. Was there any, and I'm going back to the, to the client in Chicago because we, you know, we're, we're so similar. Was there any trepidation from you of like oh how do i help him like how do, like was he no he was you know he was already in and like he was very transparent about everything he's like this is the situation you know you 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 come over at 9 30 after my caretaker's gone i will be in my bedroom i cannot get out of my bed you just come into my bed like he gave me the lowdown on everything. And so I was very comfortable going into that situation the first time because he was very transparent about the situation. And, you know, and he, he just laid everything out for me. So it wasn't like I got there and I was just like, huh, what's this? Or like, what's going on here? Like, you know, it was, I knew, I knew, you know, we had talked about everything from start to finish, you know, and, and so it was, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was um, weird or um, uncomfortable for me. See, my brain as like somebody who has done the thing where I'm like, oh, I'll be in bed and I'll like set up everything and I'll do all that. Uh-huh. Um, my brain as the as the disabled person is like, what what he would have had to do like before you got there, like he would have probably had to tell his care worker like to clean him and get him ready for you like the, all the stuff that he would have to do to prep for you like when i see my sex workers i there's a whole bunch of preparation that i don't involve them in or tell them about but it's like i have to tell my care worker i have to like disclose what i'll be doing it's there's a whole other set of so my brain is going to like i wonder how he like, i wonder what he says when he's like i'm gonna I'm gonna see Jack Dixon. Like I'm sure he's not saying that, but I'm I wonder what he says to his caregiver about what's happening now. Yeah, I mean you um 
there's a lot more preparation um i feel like for someone in his situation or in your situation like you said you have to you have to plan it a little bit more it's not for someone not for someone like me who i don't i don't have a physical disability and the world is set up in a way to make things kind of easy for me so i can basically like if i want to go out and have sex or go out and do whatever then i just basically go do it you know there's not yeah. a lot of there's not a lot of back backstory to it or you know or preparation and planning or like it's not like a group effort with other people um and so so yeah and i think for me you know as a client of of multiple sex workers throughout the last i've only really been hiring workers for the last three plus years um Mm -hmm. and but i've worked with quite with a few and so um over the last couple years like you know it's it can be really distressing when you work with a worker and things don't turn out the way you would hope they would and you put in all the planning and you've done all the work and you've done all the prep work as a disabled person and you've shooed your care worker away and you've done everything you can to make it this this private personal moment between you and this person and then the worker ends up being kind of dickish like I had a worker once he came over I won't say who it is but he came over and he it was our first meeting and we're hanging out. And, and so he, who's that? It's my dog. It's Shiloh. She's freaking out because I have a delivery at the door. Hold on one second. Sorry. It's all good. Come on, you. Get in here. Come on, crazy. All right. Go for it. So you saying? met this guy. He was kind of yeah. dickish. So I met that he was, you know, he's hot and he like, we would we would text in on the site. We he'd said like, "Oh, I want to come over and take care of you," which immediately was a red flag for me. I was like, "Oh, okay, that feels weird." He's like, "I want right. to I want to like cook for you and I want to do all these things for you." And I was like, "I want you to suck my dick and then go." That's like, that's, <laughs> that's what I want you for. Um, and so he came over, and when he was all like, he was way too. And I'm a very like huggy, touchy tactile person that's my personality so but he was way too much already and he flops my couch and he goes hey so uh you're handy capable there hey and i went excuse me i don't what where did that language come from where did you get that from and why would you think that i like wanted you to say that and he goes oh oh man i didn't mean it i was like okay okay like cool and so Uh i'd already paid him and i was like well you're here and like all right let's just I'm not super feeling this right now, but I've already paid you and like you're here. Let's just right. this, salvage what we can. Yeah. So we're doing the session and we're in the middle of it and he, we're, we're making out and we're like, he's on top of me and we're doing things to each other. And he goes, I just had his dick in my mouth and he goes, he whispers in my ear. He's like, Hey, I just want to tell you, you have a big heart. And I was like, excuse me again. You don't know me. I've given you no indication of what kind of person I am what and he goes so i stopped him i said what, what do you mean and he goes oh well you know because you're disabled and oh you know you're just such a nice guy and i was like again you don't know uh, me like right why are you yes i am a great guy but i'm not you're from out of town we're never gonna see each other again i literally want this thing from you i want to get off and then i'd like you to very politely go and we'll probably never speak again like it's right but he was viewing all this like 
all this idea of who I was supposed to be to him because I was a wheelchair user and because I was disabled that he automatically assumed that I was this like cherubic person and I was like I'm not that guy right and also it seems condescending in a sense like he was compensating for your physical disabled disability by basically patronizing you with all this other stuff and I mean, I know what he, I really, I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to be really nice and he just didn't know. I, I get that part. But in that moment, I want you to do the thing. Right. Then, let's fuck. Like I'm hiring you as a sex worker. Like I want to have sex. I don't, I don't care what you think about me personally. I'm not here for an affirmation on my personality or who I am as a person. I mean, maybe you do, but I, at, the, at that particular moment, I was like, my dick is hard. We're naked. Can we please? Like, you're literally on top of me, and I'd like to come in you now. Can we Can we get do that, please? And so it, I, I had to stop him, and then he, we tried to keep going, and I was like, you know what? I'm done. Like, I can't. I, we couldn't finish, and I was like, all right, like, take the take your take your money, and like, thanks so much for the session, and like, we won't. Right. And I, I made the point in my head to like not reach out again. I was like, thanks so much. Like, see you later. And I just didn't reach out again. And then he texts me and he's like, um, can you leave me a five-star review? And I was like, <sighs> so I was like, uh, so I literally wrote him one line that was like, it was great. Thanks. Sent. What wow. Like, like, what so, do you want me to do? <laughs> so did he have other current reviews? And they were all glowing and fantastic. And I was like, really? I wonder if I wonder if you like browbeat the client into leaving this into writing reviews. I mean, I only you know I used to ask people to write me reviews because it helps with business. But I only asked I would only ask clients if I felt like we had a really good session. And I also told them, you know, if you feel comfortable doing so, will you leave me a review? If you're, if it's not something you feel comfortable with, I completely get it. Like, I don't want you leaving a review for me out of feeling like you're obligated, obligated to, to, you know? Yeah. And this felt like that. And I, like, right. Right. It was so uncomfortable. And I even made the mistake of hiring him the next time he was in town to see if, Oh like, no. Yeah, it was, was different. Just, I was like, maybe it was not. I, I, I'm horny <laughs> and fluke. So like, I hired him again, and it was just similar stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, like, and I just, and I haven't contacted him since, and I won't again. And I was like, you know what? Like, but you know, as a disabled client, also n- never really having the like. When I was younger, I wanted the like really hot dude to talk to me, and so being able to work with sex everybody workers, does, yeah. Being, but being able to hire like the hot dude who will not only talk to you for two hours, they'll also do all the things you want them to do. So it's been a learning curve of like, yeah, they're hot, but do they jive with what you need them to? Maybe not. Exactly. And, you know, I personally, I've, I've never hired an escort. Well, a, I, I will rephrase that. I've hired guys for erotic massage where I know I'm going to probably have sex with them before the end of the massage, but I've never hired a guy for straight up sex. Now, whether these masseuse or masseurs consider themselves escorts or not, I don't know. That's just, that's verbiage and terminology. Um, but you know, I, I, I will hire guys because like, I don't want to fuck around with the online bullshit, you know, and I do like getting massaged. And if like, I have, sex at the end of it great but you know i've picked guys that i think are hot and they would be my type and 
have had some of the worst sessions <laughs> for yeah. either not good at massage or they're just, it's just not engaging sexually. So I, I can sympathize with your plight on that. When, well, when he said handy capable, I was like, oh man, like, oh man, but you're, but at the same time, I was like, you're here. Like, oh. right. You've got you, like you said, you have, you have a, a, a more involved process to get you to the point to where you can see somebody. So if you've gone through all that, it's like, well, you're already here and might as well just see if we can. So like make it sort of good. I don't know. Right. Make it good in the end. I mean, it wasn't unfortunately. And I, like we haven't spoken since and we won't again, but it was just like, Oh man. Like, Oh, so yeah. I, I don't remember what my larger question was, but I shared that story. Um, <laughs> I so, think yeah. I don't remember either, honestly. I'm looking at it now. It was what have you learned about disability and sexuality? During oh your... yes, sexual connection. Always sexual connection. It's, it's yes, sexual connection. Um. And so you also do porn, which you which you have I let do. us know is like your third favorite thing you like to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, come to Toronto because I'm a great scene partner. But <laughs> but uh, how do you feel that the porn industry could be and again i know you're speaking from a place of not being physically disabled but how do you think it could be more accessible to physically disabled people or invisibly disabled people too i mean i feel like i feel like the porn industry could be accessible to a lot of other people honestly i mean in, in light of everything that's happening right now in the states um you know uh, and and i've not been in the industry long only two or three years and and Which I kind of boggles my mind because I feel like I've seen you. I feel like I've, I feel like I've known about you way longer than three years. It's weird. I did my first porn scene July 2017, um, and so this July will mark three years. Um, next month will, and so I, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like the, and while if you, I don't watch a lot of porn honestly. I never, yeah, I, mean, I never. I never have like I did I was super into cocaine and ecstasy in college for about a year and I think I watched a lot of porn that year and then other than that I just I've not I've never been a big porn person and so if you're looking at these these major these larger porn companies I feel like they're very um, homogenous in the sense that they're they're casting the same type of guy you know it's kind of it's kind of boring and bland but I feel like as as porn has evolved because now everybody has a camera on their phone and can and with the the uprising of only fans and just for fans and the saturation of the of the more um uh amateur porn market i feel like porn has has definitely has has been able to include some more and i think a lot of people I think a lot of people seek that out more, but again, I'm not a huge porn person. And so I can't really speak for, for people who are, are into porn, but like, you don't see, you don't see a lot. And I feel like, you know, I, it's, it's very limited. Yeah. And I feel like it may be more fetishy for some people in a sense, if they were to see more physically disabled porn. I mean, um, I've done it. I've done it. I did a poem with, with uh, my friend John Shields a few months ago. Oh, yeah. 
um it was a good time we had a good time what studio did you do it for did you just do it for his for uh himeros actually we did it for for davy wavy's company oh yeah davy wavy and i've done some work together and he reached out to me and said uh and said you know we're doing we're taking a bunch of scenes from our site for our two-year anniversary and we want amateur people to like recreate them would you and i know you want to do porn would you do one and i was like okay sure so i reached out to john and said like we you know we've worked together as client and, and uh sex worker for a long time so i said like can we would you want to do this with me and he was oh yeah that's really cool and we sat down together for he picked out the scene and we had to play brothers which i thought was hilarious because it's just funny and weird so we sat down and we figured out the scene and we sat down for a good i want to say three four hours and mapped out how would this scene be different because andrew's in a wheelchair how do we what are the camera angles what are the how does it look and how is it how is it going to be hot if i do this and how would somebody it was really more so than porn and i don't watch a lot of porn either um i subscribed to a lot of just for fans because i like looking at dick occasionally but i don't watch a lot of it um right but i liked that um we could have that conversation and i liked that that this medium which is never really considered how the complexly disabled body could be included we had to do it in this really quick way and like john and i spent so much time talking with each other about what would make the scene hot how do we include the fact that you're disabled how do we like what do we do about that and so the scene ended up with him coming over and saying like oh mom can't put you to bed tonight but i can and then that turned into like the sex play and it was just really it was really fun because you don't see like that kind of stuff and you don't see the disabled body like we i said earlier that i have a lift in my room like we don't see that and so we made sure to shoot that we made sure to shoot like me in and out of my chair like all those things as part of it and that was really powerful because you just don't see it and it was something that i i don't i've not i've not watched the full scene in a while but i love knowing that that's out there and if somebody wants to see themselves be represented at least that's there and i think for him too you know it was important because most male porn stars that are in the industry have never done that have never crafted a scene around a disabled person it was just a really it was a really different way of doing it and i'm i'm forever proud of it cool very cool um yeah so but you know we had talked earlier about like and you would mention earlier that sometimes you have to fuck in uncomfortable positions and all those things i think the porn industry has to do has to do a lot more to especially male-on-male porn the way that the positions happen are, are sometimes really impossible for even able-bodied people but for an, a disabled person watching that you're like oh there's no way in hell i could do oh that God. like i i could barely do it as a fucking goddamn 41 year old man <laughs> much less alone <laughs> if i had you know any kind of physical disability going on i mean some of the shit i've had to do i'm just like you want us to fuck how but it's like they need to get the camera angle or whatever. But, I, you know, I, I think, you know, given what you said, like if someone was in a wheelchair, like you could, you could probably get some pretty good camera angles and 
do some come to Toronto and we'll stuff. fucking try it out is what I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, so are you top bottom verse what's 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 your story I would love to bottom I've never bottomed because I have IBS and a host of other disabilities that make all of that super complicated um and it's I also can't douche myself out so it's a whole lot of like how do logistics you have, yeah how do you have that discussion with a partner who you've never met who's supposed to fuck you and then be like hey want to um make sure that there's no shit in my ass like hey that's cool right, right. like that's not the sexiest conversation so i tend to be a top but that mm-hmm. isn't who i am in my heart like in my heart i'm the biggest sluttiest you want to be a person yeah pretty much like i really am <laughs> but I don't, I don't get to explore that because i can't so i have to put on like we we're talking earlier about personas and like my persona has to be strong and has to be like hyper masculine and all these things that I am not. Yeah. And I'm not really any of those. And if anybody said to me, I want to fuck up the ass, let's do that. And I want you to be my bottom for the night. I would easily sink into that part of myself, right. but I've never really gotten to explore it because of my disabilities. I get it. Yeah. That's unfortunate. It's, it's, um, you know, I, I mean, I get it. Like I, I primarily top and sometimes I just primarily top because of the size of my dick. And, but I mean, I'm a man with a prostate. Like sometimes I want to get fucked. Like I don't always want to get fucked, but sometimes I want to get fucked and, and it can be really good. Let really me just good. pull up the next flights to Toronto. I'll just <laughs> <laughs> send these over I'll to just you. Send those over immediately. <laughs> Um, you know, knowing what you know about the industry and knowing what you know about, like, you know, like we said, going in uncomfortable positions, let's just pretend like you and I were going to do a scene together, given what, given what we just talked about, how do you think then you would, you would be in a scene as my fellow performer or craft a scene as like a producer? I think it would be hot to do something in the wheelchair, even though it probably wouldn't be very comfortable, but to like ride you or something like that while you're sitting in your wheelchair like you could probably get some good shots out of that um now if you were bottoming i mean we could totally cut a hole in the back of your wheelchair and somehow i could get into some weird ass funky position and try to fuck you while you're sitting in your wheelchair i don't know man i don't know maybe some shower scene i mean a shower scene is doable i also have the sling and i've said repeatedly to a number of people that i've fucked like there is a way you could fuck me in here. I don't know how we do it, but like, there is a way. I just think that we'd have to, like, it might have to be a really niche scene because shit might happen, disability shit, like, all that stuff might happen. Like, how do we, you know, and I just think, but I also think, like, that could be really iconic for people who. Or like, you and your lift and, like, restrained in some way and, like, edging you and sucking you off in your lift suspended over your bed or some shit like that like it could be hot you know well you don't have to worry about the restraints because my body kind of already does that for me so (laughs) more just for a visual just for visual you know um but yeah like so i mean there's a lot of possibilities there i mean people love some kinky medical device you know that you know and i i feel like um you know getting going further with that and and doing some disability stuff would definitely get some people off as well as, you know, be beneficial to, to people who are disabled in the sense that like, you know, 
you can do porn too. Like it, it, and it can still be hot. It's not because you have a physical disability or something. It doesn't limit you to being, you know, a bystander to everything that's going on and just watching it. Like you can participate and you, you know, and, and you are part of, part of, part of humans and being sexual and being part of the whole, you know, sexuality, you know, as, as a human being, like you don't have to like be excluded in some way. Yeah. And I just think that porn is such an interesting medium because if you do it the right way and if you work on being inclusive as inclusive as possible, then you like watching a disabled person have sex on screen for a non-disabled person could be really powerful because they could look at that and go, Oh, I never thought about that before. Like I never realized that that dude in a wheelchair who I would never give two looks at on the street has a giant dick. And it's a really yeah, great fucking. And it still works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, all of those misconceptions can be can be torn down through porn, but also somebody with a disability watching that can say, Oh my god, here I am represented here. And like that, like that's why I, that's why I agreed to do the porn with John, because I was like, this is such an important thing for somebody watching this. They'll see themselves here in some way. And I can help to do that for them. And that, to me, was the most important part. Right. Right. Um, I don't remember what my next question There it is. Uh, oh, yeah. So so part of what I do in episodes like this where I talk to porn stars is I love to ask them the question of, how do you think you would feel if you would feel or your life might change if you were to become a wheelchair user tomorrow? Uh, it would drastically change, you know, I, I've shared, um, so I've been a number of things in my life before I was a sex worker and did porn. Um, I was an environmental engineer out of college. I have a degree in business management. I have a culinary arts degree and I have a degree in ecology and natural resources. And so I was an environmental engineer for some time, which if I were disabled, yeah, I could still do that. I could work in an office and a cubicle and, you know, and then I've managed businesses. And so I, 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 uh, I managed a boarding kennel and a doggy daycare for about eight years before I became a chef. Um, and so I could always fall back on that. And if I were to go back into food, I mean, I, being in a wheelchair in a commercial kitchen would be interesting. I know it's doable. Um, but probably not the easiest thing, but I feel like, you know, if I were to have a major disability um, where I was in a wheelchair, like I would need to fall back on one of my other, um, my other professions. I don't think, I don't think I would be viewed in the same way, you know, for the reasons we were just talking about, you know, people, you know, disability still makes people very uncomfortable um, in a large sense, like I've, even with, even with the client you were saying, or I mean the, the guy you hired, um, who, who is, it sounded like maybe he was compensating and, and, and stuff by telling you these things. I feel like often people without physical disabilities are sometimes a little awkward about 
around people with physical disabilities. Like yeah. we don't want, we don't want to look too long because then it feels like we're staring, but then we don't want to, and then we're like, okay, well, I don't want to, I don't want to look at them and act and treat them just like I would anybody else. And then maybe you guys feel marginalized and ignored in a sense. Um, I was in a meeting, an AA meeting this morning actually, and, and the guy was sharing and he's in a wheelchair now, but he wasn't always in a wheelchair. And he, he was sharing that, you know, he used to, he's a tall, a tall big guy. And he's like, he used to have this feeling of, you know, he would, he would attract attention in a room because of his stature, you know, and now that he's in a wheelchair, he feels like people don't know how to treat him or he's marginalized in a way. And I never really thought about that. And, and it's, it's true. It's, it's, um, I feel like we could do better um, at trying to understand, you know, from another, from your side of things. Yeah. Um, you know, in that sense. Um, and do you think like your, your work as a performer would change? Like, do you think there would be any space for you to be Jack Dixon, the hung as fuck? wheelchair using person? I don't know man I really don't know like porn is so weird I just you know I just like I said I, I I work with a handful of people in the industry um in a much larger industry of people that I've never worked with and like I work with these people because they're good people I can't I, I you know I don't know if there is you know I would I would maybe try I mean as long as my dick was functioning you know, I would say even if your dick wasn't functioning, I would say because you've you've spoken about how like you want connection and you actually crave sometimes the intimacy more than just the hot fuck, you might have to then pivot the way your brain looks at the way intimacy is. I don't know because I have friends who 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 are super attractive and like their genitals don't work the normative way and they still want to get off they still want to be touched they still want connections i think i think the our i think our preoccupation with like oh my god your dick has to work in the in the world but especially the industry is troubling because you can still be hot as fuck and you can still come to orgasm even if you don't get an erection yeah and and, you know and being a guy who's exceptionally hung i can say you know that the older I get, the more issues I, I love have how you around. just like I love how you just like puppered that in. <laughs> but I mean it's you know, I I have a I I have a I have a pretty big dick and um and I can say like I I was a highly sexual teenager, you know, and even in my twenties, but as a forty one year old man, like I don't get as rock hard as often as I used to in my twenties. And that's, that's a natural thing for people that like, I think like you were saying, like people are expected to have rock hard dicks and perform, perform, perform as a man. And like, and it's just, things change over time. Like things change. Yeah. And also your Jack Dixon persona, as we, as we've said, is very butch masculine toppy energy. Like that character is that, do you think, if you were to be a wheelchair user and you decided to keep doing porn, do you think you'd have to soften some of that stuff out? I don't, you know, I, 
I and I, I realize we're speaking in total hypotheticals here, but it's it's something that I was wondering. Right. I'm um, you know, I'm kinky and I'm butch and blah 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 blah. But I, I you know, there's also a very big part of me that's passionate and connected through kissing, and I think some of that transcends in some of my scenes. Like I need to connect with my scene partner in a certain way, and I feel like. The kissing aspect and all of that, I don't feel like that would change. I think a lot of people pick up on that. I get a lot of commentary from people who follow me or they they enjoy my porn, that they they like how how I kiss in my scenes. It's not about like this this pounding fuck and this like this macho macho raw rough. It's also about like connecting with my partner and being, you know, intimate and passionate with them as well as having hot sex. Yeah. And, and that's important for me. And I feel like that aspect, you know, would, would not change for me. Um, I can't really say, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I personally, if I watch porn, I, I kind of just fast forward to the cum shot, honestly. <laughs> I will send you the porn of John and I, because it's a pretty awesome. It was pretty, from what I remember, it was a pretty nice cum shot. Um, um, so, do, so hang on, I just had, my brain went to, let me picture me and Jack having sex. That's where my brain went. Um, uh, is there any part of the above question, you know, do you think your life would change if you were to become a wheelchair user? Is there any part of that reality that kind of scares you? Is there anything about that experience that you maybe you didn't realize you were uncomfortable with or something you want to unpack or like too many questions about that? You know, I've thought about it. I've thought about it in the sense that, you know, a lot of us, um, a lot of us in the industry to perform, we use, we use Trimex, which it's an injectable vasodilator and you inject it into the side of your dick and it gives you an instant boner basically. Um, and there hasn't been, from my understanding, from my urologists that I've used, there hasn't been a lot of long-term um, studies um, on the drug because I think the drug is, other than porn stars um, and gay men, I feel like the, it's mostly prescribed for guys who, who are, um, are paraplegic or they're, they're elderly in a sense that no, nobody is using it that extensively or for long periods of time. And so the, the side effects of the drug on, on the, um, on how it affects internally, like the makeup of your dick, um, yeah. basically, cause I'm, I'm floundering for the proper word here. Um, but I, I think of that in the back of my head, I only try to use Trimax if I'm filming or something or need, need like an instant boner. Um, but I'm like, you know, I'm only 41. You know, I don't plan on being in this industry forever, but you know, is what I'm doing now going to have an effect on my dick when I'm in my fifties, you know, or in my sixties? Um, and how will things be then? Um, I don't really, I guess, think about the immediate, like if I were hit by a car or, or, or got in a bad accident or, you know, something were to happen and, you know, I ended I mean, up in a I wheelchair. I, yeah. I mean, I think I bring up the question because so many people who are in the LGBTQ community and who are, you know, who who are queer men, they have so much 
ableism around disability. And so when I posed when I posed this question to others and said, "What are you scared of?" I really was, I really was wanting to get them to confront, like some of their own ableism and getting them to like think about what would that mean and how would that, like, how do I really feel about that? Because I think a lot of people have feelings about disability, but they would never say it because they didn't want to offend somebody. So I was kind of giving you a platform to like, it would be scary. You know, it would definitely be scary. It would be a change of life. You know, I think um, immediate force changed for human beings as a generality is, is a scary thing. I think, you know, with everything that's going on recently with COVID and stuff, I think people have been going through a lot of changes that they were not expecting. And it's been very rapid and it's been very hard on a lot of people's psyche and their, um, and their, their, their disposition on the outlook on life. And so um, kind of paralleling that to like a forced change of where it's like, oh shit, you know, I'm, I'm disabled now and I can't, I can't perform. I can't do the things that I used to do. Like, yeah, that's totally scary. I think, you know, I take for granted my legs. Like I run a lot, I work out a lot and I take, I take a lot of that stuff for granted. I expect that in the morning I can just jump out of bed and I can go do what I want, walk around where I want and do what I want. But you know, if I were to have to have an, have have someone assist me or or have the extra step of getting into a wheelchair like that's 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 a big that's a big jump and that's you know and that's also you know it's it may be harder for someone who has had um no physical disability for the majority of their life to transition to something like that so immediately it, I feel like it would be harder on someone like me than yeah. it would be for someone who has only known that entire, their entire life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, given that you've mentioned earlier that you, you, you are a little bit, you have a little bit of depression happening and all those things. I think you would also have to be very aware of like, how would this immediate change from going to being super fit, super like able to being, to needing to be patient and needing to rely on someone else and being pissed off about that. And like, I think all of that would definitely affect your mental health too. Oh yeah. I would, I would definitely go into some depression. For sure. Um, how do you, th- and this is not a question I wrote down, but I was just thinking about it. How do you think our community, like the LGBTQ community can do better by disabled people or, or, you know, from this discussion, is there anything that like, you're like, Oh, we should do this. Like, um, I, you know, like I said, it, it's, I feel like in some ways we, in some ways I feel like we're, we're inclusive. And then in other ways, I feel like we're very homogenous and just like no different than anybody else. You know, I feel like we're exclusive and like, I mean, shit, some of the, <laughs> some of the biggest attitude and like shit that I get from people are from gay people, you know, yeah. from people who are supposed to be on my side and understanding my plight and be, you know, and I feel like sometimes they're, they're the biggest haters, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate that in some ways we tear each other down and we're not, I mean, we, we talk a big, I feel like in some ways we, we do a lot of community and I, 
I feel like that is true, but then I feel like in, in other ways, there's a lot of talk around it and there's not as much action around it. Yeah. And like one of the things that I've been championing every time I talk to somebody, I keep saying like, you know, the AIDS life cycle run is great. Why don't we have similar things to make sure that every gay bar in the world has a ramp? Like, why don't we do more activism around like, okay, we want to make things accessible. Let's put, if we can do all those life cycle runs for AIDS, which is amazing, great, and important. And I support those, but I also think there's another way of like, using our queerness to say let's find a way to open up these spaces to everyone and if because everybody says all the time oh we can't renovate our gay bar to get in wheelchair users because it's too expensive cool so get a bunch of drag queens together get a bunch of muscle queens put on a show charge you know 50 bucks a head right and use that money to build that fucking ramp. like why is it i don't get why it's so yeah <laughs> yeah it, and it really isn't it's like you know people want to people can put the effort and energy into what they want to, you know, and there, and there is a lot of rallying in our community around HIV and AIDS. Um, but I feel like there's a little bit less around, you know, disability and inclusiveness of, of, you know, all races of, of gay, all, all, all the different f- facets of, of the queer community from transgender, um, you know, to people who identify as queer, to people who identify um, as, you know, as, as, as whatever, you know, and I, I feel like often it's, it's gay lesbian, you know, it's gay lesbian, gay lesbian, yeah. gay lesbian, you know. And, and all the rest like, are there. Okay. Yeah, and the rest, the rest of the shades of, of, of sexuality and being are there, but they're not as, they're not getting as loud of, loudest voices and i feel like it's getting better um but i feel like we could do better in some ways yeah completely um my last question for you is do you have any questions for me about disability that like no one's ever answered for you that you like the burning sex and disability question that i can answer for you so well you 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 answered the question about your your sexual position preference um so how when did you realize you were gay and what was your first gay experience and and how did that feel i guess what, what was your dis- did your disability come into play in any way in that or you know how how did, how has that kind of evolved for you in a sense or or has it yeah um, i realized i was gay when i was 15 i and mm-hmm. i told the story before i'll tell it again i um i was uh 15 I was like super morose and I was like really into emo like like Elena's Morissette from the nineties. I was really was really into AC. that. Yeah. I was getting on I was getting my Lilith Fair on and so I I was listening to a lot of Jagged Little Pill and so I had realized I was gay. I knew, I had known for years and years previous to this, but I was like, I think I'm gonna come out. I think I'm gonna say it because if I say it then, because I, I had also been watching a lot of those, like, remember the early 2000s when coming out stories were really big and it was like a big thing to have a really hot white dude come out and tell a story? Yeah. So that was a thing. And so, the sports bro who yeah, came out as gay. Yeah, I was watching a bunch of that shit and I was like, <laughs> if I come out, then I'll get to fuck the hot lacrosse player that works, that is like in my school. And so, if I come out, all these gay dudes will know that I'm gay and we'll just start fucking. <laughs> so that was my belief 
And so I decided, okay, I'm going to come out. So I, I got, there was, a, there was a pamphlet in my school that was like, it's okay to be gay, but there was nothing about how do you come out if you're disabled? And I was like, okay, well, they told me not to come out in a car, so I won't come out when people are driving me around. Don't come out at dinner because then the world could, like all these, these Oops, caveats so were like, don't, <laughs> don't do this. And so I, I finished dinner and I had, I had got these pamphlets like two weeks previously and I was in my kitchen with my mom and we're sitting there and I'll never forget, she's standing above our red sink and she, she says, Andrew, what the fuck? You haven't been talking, or what the hell? You haven't been talking in like a week and a half. What's wrong? Are you gay or something? And I went, oh, uh, yeah, actually, yes, yes, I am. And she went, oh, okay. And she's really accepting and she's, she was a hippie back in the day and she has a ton of gay friends. And so she goes, oh, so do you watch, do you watch, um, the guy or the girl in sex scenes and I was like, well, the guy and so we I had a big cry because I finally let it out and then and then she rented Priscilla like Queen of the Desert and we watched that together and she was like honey if you want to be a drag queen that's okay and at the time I was like mom I'm not gonna do that like no no of course then years later I ended up doing drag and I phoned her and I was like well guess what I'm wearing it doing it so that's when I came out, and then my first gay experience happened when I, when I, like four years later, when I moved to college. I met a guy online, and we messed around. And so, in the when we were done, I, I came way too fast because that's what happens when you've never been touched. And I, I lied to the dude, and I was like, oh yeah, I've had sex before. Like yeah, I'm, I'm great. So he, I finished, and then I thought we were in love because he made me come, and my only, my only understanding of coming was like okay well this must be we're now together because you just made me do that so like i said do you want to go for coffee do you want to like hang out do you want to like be do boyfriend things because i don't know any better and uh-huh. he says to me well do you see your chair over there you were just a pity fuck and i remember just being really shocked Can't, couldn't believe the guy said it couldn't believe that like my first experience happened that way and i remember trying to be really cool and stay really like and stay really like okay cool man like thanks like, like thanks bye and so like he left and i of course broke down and ate ice cream yeah. for four days and didn't like go to class or anything but i mean ever since that moment my i have to say a lot of my sexual experiences haven't been fantastic like i that really colored kind of what i how i viewed sex and like i i haven't been able to kind of divest myself from that experience because it was so mm-hmm. traumatizing, I think, to just to right. know that my disability was the only reason he came over and not because he wanted to fuck me, but because he felt bad for me. And so being gay and disabled, do you feel even more isolated with that extra layer on top? I mean, I've done, I think I've, I've turned my queerness, my disability into a really fun selling point for myself. Like, Right. on my apps and stuff all my name is like big dick crip and i like really i play with like want to touch my joystick and i've done a really great way of like infusing that into my life but i think you know my decision to hire a sex worker wasn't necessarily because i even wanted to it was because i was like i need to get my dick sucked and i don't know what else to do and i'm right. trying all the conventional ways that i can do to get that and it's not happening so mm-hmm. i feel like the isolation 
it's really hard. Like especially right now during Corona times, like I can't even hire my favorite worker to get a, to have a to have to get my rocks off. So it feels it can be very isolating, and also because I don't I don't go to the bars and I don't do all the things that my community does. So I feel like I'm always outside being like, Hey, I want to just be a part of this. And like, why? And you're still not including me. And what the hell? Like, even when I go on the apps, people will say stuff like, you know, they'll talk to me. They'll ask me my dick works. They'll ask me like, they'll say, Oh, I'm so sorry. You're disabled. Like, Awful, all that shit. terrible stuff. Yeah. And I so, get terrible stuff too all the time. People are awful. People are the worst. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, like the isolation is very real. And I think people don't understand how hard it is to be. I know I'm gay. I know I like, I, I know I like to suck dick. I know exactly what I want. I just can't right. get it. And that's frustrating. Right. And then in the, in the, in the building that you live in, are there other gay people? Probably. I don't super know. Like I stay pretty. Okay. I stay pretty like to myself because I don't, I'm not sure. I'm sure there are, but I just don't know. Gotcha. And then one other question. So you have cerebral palsy. Yes. Do you have any control over your hands? Yes. So can you jerk off? No, I lost the ability to jerk off a couple of years ago. Like I could when I was a kid and when my muscles were, were a lot less tight than they are. But as I've gotten older because of the, the way CP works as you get older, you're, spasticity gets more and your spasms get more and all that stuff kind of kind of ramps up a little bit which is something they don't tell you when you're coming up and there's real no pamphlet for growing up with cp and how the fuck do you manage all that but all that stuff happens to you and so i lost the ability to masturbate my hands hurt it's painful so i just i don't which makes like which makes me really kind of upset when i see when i log onto a porn site and i see like you know someone's just for fans like i'm just gonna wiggle my dick and jerk off and not upset but like i really wish that i could do Do that that. and like it's interesting that you bring it up because this morning i was just watching tv and i because i can't masturbate i auto ejaculated which is super annoying because you're sitting there watching Grey's anatomy and you just come and it's not (laughs) like you think it'd be hot except like I wasn't aroused and I didn't want to. I was busy working and I was like, great. My body just <laughs> And like, it was Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Like there was nothing hot about it. I and didn't then, want to come to Grey's Anatomy. But then like the other side of that is like then after I, after I auto-ejaculate, I have to then call my care worker and explain like, why are your right. parents, like, what, what, why they have to change me and make up this whole story around why I need to get changed when I wish I could just say, hey. I came. Can you? I just shot my load all over myself. Don't worry. I was only watching Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, basically, <laughs> like it's nothing sinister. <laughs> so to answer your larger question, I could masturbate, but I can't anymore. That sucks, man. Um, yeah, I guess that's it for like what I can immediately think of. Cool. Just um, out of curiosity. Yeah, I know. Do Do you think like? Do you think that you'll take anything from this conversation that will like change or or not change, but like deepen your understanding of disability? Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like you know some of the some of the points and and stuff that we've talked about has definitely made me think about the stuff that I take for granted on a daily basis. Yep. Um, you know, and it's always good to to remind myself. I think you know anybody 
I I can take, and I can't speak for anybody else, I guess, but like I take things for granted. I think it's natural when you have you have a routine day after day. You kind of just your your mind, you kind of just are like, okay, well that's going to be there tomorrow. That's going to still be there tomorrow, and then and then sometimes it's not, and then it's like, oh fuck, it makes you really rethink things. It's like you know. And it's kind of like almost looking back on times, you know, I don't think when you're in, for me, when I was in the good days, you know, it didn't feel like the good days, but then I look back on things and I'm like, man, those days were really good. I had this and I had that. And it's just like, it's a bunch of shit that I like, I wasn't grateful for and I took for granted. And then now that they're not there anymore, I don't have them. Um, it's kind of like, wow, I should have really appreciated having that at that time. And, and, and I know that I will look back at this time in my life in four or five years and be like, you know, for, for whatever I can, I can bitch about my life or say that this isn't right, or I don't like this. I will look back in four or five years and be like, damn, you know, those times were really good because I had this and I had that, you know? And so it's, it's just a good kind of, it's a good reminder of, of gratitude you know, in a sense for like what I do have today because I might not have it tomorrow. So like, I, I'll definitely take that from this conversation. I just, you know, being the way my, my human brain is, how long will I, I be able to maintain that? But it's, it's something that I strive for on a daily basis for sure. Awesome. Um, thank, and thanks for, I love we got to sit down together and do this. It was real fun. Um, Me too. I always get nervous when I talk to porn stars because, you know, I've watched them common people and I'm asking them to like, be themselves with me on a podcast it's so it always feels weird but uh no it's good i like to be humanized for sure yeah no like like you know it's funny our conversation like you when i first started talking to you i was like yeah and your persona is very hard not hard but you're the the imagery you post as jack dixon is very butch and hyper masculine in this conversation i was like oh he's just a big softy who happens to i like- totally am a softy i am a fucking softy i was a mama's boy i will admit it you know so yeah like there's just- nothing wrong with that you know no like who i am as a person and i think you know i think to when you work with dis- you know other disabled clients i think some of that to imbue some of that into what you do might make the experience different for you and for them. I mean, obviously if they want Jack Dixon to walk through the door, great. But if they want like a hybrid of who you actually are and that character, I think that will, I think you'll find that, you know, the more disabled clients you have, cough, cough, come to Toronto. But um, (laughs) the more disabled clients you have, I think you'll see them wanting to soften. Like when I started working with my primary worker, he came in as a character and over the years that's, really kind of faded away and now we're we have a professional working relationship where we're friendly and that character's not really there anymore and like i still refer to him as his like his porn name and that's fine and that's great but like there's a nice comfortability there that i think lends itself to working with a disabled client because we need one of the things that really irks me about porn generally is that you get to pick and you get to pick a persona where you don't have to be your entire self. You get to be this character. And when you're a wheelchair user or somebody with a marked thing, you don't get to run away from that. So I struggle with like, 
when these people come into my home to service me, they get to play a character, but I have to be 100%. Yeah. And that it's frustrating because I want to be, I could be a character too. And it's, it's, it's frustrating because I don't get to run away from that sometimes. And so I don't even know what my question was, but I, but like, I just think that if the more you work with disabled clients, if you, if you test out that softer part of yourself, I think it will lend itself to hotter sessions with disabled people because we can, we know how to tap into intimacy in a way that I think able-bodied people don't sometimes. We're forced to be great conversationalists and great listeners and really patient because we've been taught to wait the fuck for everybody else. So like, I think those sessions, if you, not that you would like, remove Jack Dixon from the whole thing, but like put a part of who you actually are in there, it might change your dynamic. Right. And I honestly prefer being more myself than I prefer being Jack Dixon. A lot of people do hire me to be Jack Dixon. Like I saw you fuck this dude in this porn and this is what I want. And you know, I I can be that person, but like if you want a more genuine session with me, then just let me be who I am as a person. Here is what I want. (laughs) I want us to make cookies, have a cuddle, and then fuck. <laughs> and then eat cookies after fucking. Because if I eat food before I fuck, I am a waste. Yeah, we will eat cookies after we fuck. Maybe during, I don't know. Um, but this is so fun. I had a really good time. And thank you so much me for too. sitting down with me today and just having the chat. How do people, how can they get a hold of you? How can they support your work? How can they hire you? What do they, how do they do well, that? Um, so I am Jack Dixon underscore XX on Instagram. I am Jack Dixon XX on Twitter. Um, I have a Tumblr, but you know, I have a decent amount of followers, but whatever. It's just going to be cross posting on there because Tumblr is pretty dead. Um, you can find me at my website, Jack Dixon XXX.com. Um, you can find my escorting profile on Rentman. I also have uh, erotic massage profiles on Rent Masseur and on Masseur Finder. Um, but I'm, or you can just Google Jack Dixon and it should pull up any number of those things in the top hits. Um, and I have a Just for Fans page. I know, which, I subscribe. Um, it's awesome. It's a lot of happy content, a lot of auto ejaculation yeah. from you, just so you yeah, know. Yeah, and, and I am, um, and I am, uh, I'm working on some new videos. I've, I've just filmed one in Atlanta. I'm going to be doing another one um, with a trans guy in Houston in a couple weeks, I hope to. And, um, and yeah, so that's all coming up. And, um, you know, just you can find me out there. Cool. Well, Jack Dixon, this was such an illuminating and important conversation. And thank you again for sitting down. Thank You're you. such a sweetheart. It was so fun. Um, I'm going to press off and uh, get that cookie. <laughs> get, the, get that cookie <laughs> order set up. Okay. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Two seconds. All right, friends. This has been another edition of Disability After Dark the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. I'm, of course, your number one queer cripple and your disabled Dick Smith host, Andrew Gerza. If you like what you heard today and you want to follow my work and find out more about what I do, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com 
or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast directly, you can head over to Twitter and punch in DisAftDarkPod and follow us there. If you want to contact the show with a show idea, a guest idea, a comment, or a complaint, you can head over to your email and email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to this latest edition of Disability After Dark, and we'll be here to shine a bright light on more things really soon. Thanks, everybody. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020